Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. With the unemployment rate over 95% in the entertainment industry, it is common to have had the following thought in the last several weeks. If my entire livelihood depends on other people's ideas and projects, well, maybe my livelihood shouldn't depend on other people's projects anymore? This has become a very common thought amidst the pandemic. Here's what a member of our community had to say in previous episode, episode 97. Ultimately, I love what I do, but I'd also love a lot more flexibility. I feel like you always have to say yes to a job, and I would love to have the flexibility to turn the job down unless it's something that I'm really interested in. In today's community Q&A, I invited special guest TV editor Monica Daniel to speak very candidly about her desire to find alternate ways to generate income besides just editing television. As a single mother who also has a special needs child, her time is obviously very limited to go out and build her own little mini empire. However, Monica has tremendous knowledge and value to share with the world, especially with our community. Is it possible for her to monetize her knowledge and build a business that can generate additional income aside from her regular career? And more importantly, can Monica overcome the psychological fears, the imposter syndrome, and the many limiting beliefs that are most likely the only thing stopping her from taking the next steps towards financial freedom? All right, without further ado, my conversation with the Optimizer Coaching and Mentorship Community, as well as our special guest, Monica Daniel. All right. It looks like, according to Zoom, we are ready to go live. So once again, here we are, Friday community Q&A. It is quarantine day. I have no idea. Does anybody have any idea what day it is at this point? Like day 50, day 70, day 100? Who knows? I have no clue what day it is with quarantine right now. All I know is that everybody in my coaching and mentorship program is talking about when they're going to get their next haircut. 
I swear to God, that has been the topic of conversation in both of my calls this morning has been haircuts. Um, Edward is not on the call, but uh, he showed up to the call this morning at 7.30 a.m. He had the most brilliant haircut and all everybody talked about for 15 minutes was how in the world did you get your haircut and how does it look so good? And he said, well, you know, my, my wife is pretty good at that. Oh, can we come over to your house? Because I desperately need a haircut. So that's where we are, people. That is the topic of conversation in these coaching programs. So it's really not. Um, but I want to welcome everybody here. Uh, my name is Zach Arnold. If you don't already know, I'm the creator of the Optimize Yourself program and podcast. And as I go into the uh, gallery slash Brady Bunch view, uh, these are my peeps. This is the Optimizer coaching and mentorship community. So everybody wave that was uh, nice enough to, to join us uh, Friday at 1 p.m. I appreciate it. I also would like to point out that we have a special guest on our call today. So I would like to pop in real quick and I would like to introduce editor extraordinaire, Monica Daniel. So Monica, say hello to everybody. Yo, what's up? I, I'm excited about today's conversation. Um, this is gonna be somewhat of a, a community conversation where we do an extension of what we talked about last week. The topic at hand last week was digging into how long do we really think it's going to be before we are working again, how long is it going to take for cameras to roll? What is it going to look like? Are the budgets going to be there to hire people back? Will we get hired back on the same shows? Whole bunch of unanswered questions. So if you want to dive into that conversation first or dive into it later, that's at optimizeyourself.me slash episode, I believe, 97. Uh, you can check at optimizeyourself.me slash podcast if for some reason I got that number wrong and you can't find it. We just released it this morning uh, as its own self-contained podcast episode. And today is going to be a deeper dive into the conversation that we started at the very end of our last call, which was how can we provide value to people, whether it's during a global pandemic or otherwise? Because a lot of us in the creative community have had the realization that, oh, my entire livelihood depends on the ideas of other people and other people's projects. And I'm realizing how vulnerable I am. So is there a way that I can provide more value to others and potentially turn it into either a side hustle or actually make a living out of it? And out of the woodwork from that conversation came Monica. So uh, for those of you that may not be familiar with you, Monica, or your background, which I'm guessing is probably nobody because you're out there everywhere in our little niche of the industry. Um, but for those of you that may not be familiar with you and your work, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do? Well, I've been working in the industry for about 15 years now, um, about I lose track of years, but I think it was roughly five years ago, I did a career change shift. Um, I had been working in non-union, uh, mostly documentaries. I was very well known for all the uh, red carpet sparkly effects that I was able to do with Boris and Sapphire for Ease red carpet coverage. But I, I did work mostly in documentaries, uh, mostly for E, but I did work for some other networks. And then about five years ago, I was presented with the opportunity to transition into scripted, which is something I had been trying to figure out how to go about, especially as I had been working as a lead editor for years. You know, it's hard. Um, editors are a little hesitant to give someone who's been editing for years a chance as an assistant editor. So I went back to assistant editing. And then from there, I've been working my way back up. And I this last year, I edited three episodes of the show I was currently working on for the last two seasons, Legends of Tomorrow. And so I'm in the weird transitional period of like, okay, I have editing credits, but I don't have enough editing credits to really uh, have a good chance of finding work outside of the specific company I'm working for right now. 
So, and fortunately, um, I, I was the last one who rapped on my show. So out of everyone else, I was in the best position. <laughs> and, but I've been uh, now on a hiatus <laughs> for a couple weeks now. But I've been an online editor where I, I was delivering to networks, an offline editor, package editor, short form editor, scripted editor. I've worked on a couple independent things that never saw the light of day. So I've kind of done almost all of it. I, I haven't cut trailers professionally or worked on music videos, but that's about it. <laughs> so in general, you name it, and Monica has probably cut it or comped it or built it. Um, that's kind of the, the short version. Uh, so you yeah. and I are going to dive much deeper into this conversation, which is an extension of one that you and I have already been having kind of yeah. off the record behind the scenes about providing value. But before we get deeper into that conversation specifically, I want to bring it to the group first. Um, I, for everybody that is here right now, um, I'm going to throw out a, one of two questions. Either the usual, which is always the most important, is if you want to just share how you're doing and what you're up to, I always want you to have a place where you can share that. But number two, having either participated last week or having listened to last week's call, especially when we got to this idea of providing some form of value that may not be in your current skill set, which you're not able to use, have there been any epiphanies, ideas, any thoughts about where we left last week's conversation? Because I think this is a really deep and important topic to bring out into the world. So for those that either listened or participated, any general thoughts from where we left it last week? All right, we've got Debbie over here. So what, what are your, some of your thoughts from uh, after last week's community call? So we talked about a few things last week that I've kind of been um, trying to bring into what I'm doing now. So we talked about kind of getting more skills as far as digital communications, enhancing our digital communication skills, because maybe we'll be working from home a lot more in the future and now. So I've been working... I've been trying to enhance my skills on Slack. <laughs> There's a couple groups that I'm working with that I'm trying to get them onto Slack and started some channels. And so I'm trying to just sort of, be, you know, pick up my skills in that sense. And then I'm also, I, I mentioned last week that I was doing a lot of work for free uh, right now, which, you know, doesn't sound very great, but I am, I'm still doing it. And actually... I've been working with meditation group here inside LA and this has been a great opportunity for me to volunteer with them. They do a lot. They have a lot of needs right now. They're trying to ramp up their, they're a nonprofit. So they're trying to ramp up um, their community and try to get more um, donations because they still have a lot of centers that they're paying for, but you know, everything right now is online. So they have a lot of videos, Zoom calls. They're trying to figure out how to get stuff out there. So there's there's actually need for some some video editing that they need right now. So I've just sort of jumped into volunteering my time for that kind of stuff. So I'm not exactly sure how it'll pan out, if anything will end up being paid or not eventually. Um, I'm also doing some some political ads for the Democratic Co Coalition. So like just things that I'm just sort of kind of grabbing onto that, you know, hopefully we'll end up with more contacts, more experience. I'm, you know, trying to learn new softwares, trying to um, trying to pick up on those skills that might be valuable in the future. 
Well, I got to say for somebody that just wrote an article for my site that was titled, it's okay if you're not ready to be productive, you sound like you're being pretty productive. <laughs> you sound like you're getting some stuff done over there. I hope so. I'm trying. <laughs> well, when it comes to uh, improving your Slack skills, I might know a guy that can run you through the ringer of Slack, and maybe I've already been doing that. Um, but Slack, as everybody on this call knows, is my medium of choice, and uh, I probably uh, overdo it. Um, but I love Slack. It's a great way to communicate. It's a great way to organize that communication, but also not get overwhelmed by it because it's only the stuff you need that's important in places you can provide value as opposed to, oh, here's something important, and here's 150 things that aren't important, hence the email inbox. So I'm glad to hear that you're getting into Slack and you're finding other ways to provide value using your existing skill set. What I really want to talk about today is not necessarily I'm an editor or I'm an assistant editor or I'm in post-production and I have this existing post-production skill set. What are all the other ways that I can just find more gigs right now? Because there are so few gigs. How do I find gigs to use my existing skill set? What I'm much more interested in is thinking outside the box. And how can I provide value in other ways that I may not have thought about before, but because necessity is the mother of invention, I'm dealing with the quarantine. So how can I provide value to other people that's not just finding the next gig, even if it's lower paid, or it's like you're doing stuff for, you know, political ads that you may not have been doing when you were working on Fargo, for example, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you're still providing essentially the same service. But you and I, Debbie, and now uh, the conversation I'm going to have with Monica today, we've really talked about what are other ways that you can package the value that you can provide where it's not just this existing technical skill set that you have, right? So I want to take it back to the community one more time, then I'm going to dive into this much deeper with Monica. Monica is going to get her first taste of a hot seat, and it's going to be Wouldn't quite, be the first time. <laughs> of course it wouldn't be. So you, you've, it's going to be your first optimizer hot seat. Uh, so it'll be fun. But uh, before we jump into it, I wanted to come back to the community and I see a hand up. So, Krisha, uh, did you have something you wanted to add? Hi, folks. I'm in Toronto, Canada. And today I just received a notice from my producer saying, due to the force majeure, you are ended today. You are off the contract until who knows when the shows got pushed to 2021. So that was a bit of a downer, but I'm glad I got onto this call because I do have something to share. And I shared with Zach earlier in the week that I've been doing a lot of my personal development in between gigs. I'm always doing the professional development or personal development. And this time I'm decided to take some coaching to become a coach, a lifestyle coach but specifically in the dating genre because I'm an expert in partnership and relationship and done a lot of psychotherapy and that's one of my degrees is psychology. So this is an opportunity for me to go into that and, and have a side gig eventually within the next three months. So I'll be building a website and I'm actually practicing as a coach. I've got two or three coaches. So I'm practicing every week and giving value that way. And people are building their profiles and feeling confident, even though the uncertainty is still happening. You can still build yourself up and build your self-esteem and your self-worth. So that's kind of where I'm giving value. And now I'll be doing even more because I just got let go today. Well, first of all, I don't know how you survived this long. 
Um, the fact that you were still working up until now was a miracle because the vast majority of people that I know that were on shows, even those that had the longest runways possible, they're done by now. So the fact that you made it this far is a miracle. Um, secondly, I love this idea that you found a completely different way to package one of your ways that you've provided value to people in the past, but find a, a way to spin it to where you can use it now. Um, and as I had expressed to you privately, I love the idea of you being a dating and relationship coach as like the perfect fit um, with all the time that we spent together. I can see you being really, really good at that. Um, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, again, if you're going to do it virtually is essentially pandemic proof. And I think the an, another th interesting thing that I want to extract from this and this we're going to go deeper into this conversation. But if you think to yourself, well, wait a second, am I, you know, am I licensed to do this? Am I certified? Like in your case, yeah, you, you have a degree in psychology, which I didn't even know until now, which is fantastic. Once again, doesn't well, surprise me. Okay. Um, but I think another way to look at it, too, which is uh, thinking more outside the box as a, an editor for I mean, it's it's how, roughly how long have you been an editor, Krisha? Like what has it been like 15, 20 years? 30. 30 years. Wow. Well, you take very good care of yourself. Um, so you've been an editor for 30 years and anybody that's been in an edit suite knows that we are essentially therapists and dating coaches all day long. All along. Yes. Right? That's, that's what we do. We're therapists. It's perfect in so, the edit but it's for a lot of people, it's hard to make that connection. They're not seeing, they're not, they don't recognize point A and point B and put them together. They think I work in Avid or I work in Premiere or I cut in a timeline and I edit footage. But there are so many other skills that you have in that room that can translate into something completely different. So I love the fact that you've extracted one of the key abilities and techniques that an editor has, which is managing relationships. And now you're turning it into a side hustle, which may end up being an entire industry for you. So that's fantastic. I love it. So excited about that. If I weren't already happily married, you'd be the first person that I would go to. But if I did now, it'd be weird. So um, so bringing it back to the community very quickly before I jump in with Monica, are there any other insights or thoughts about the conversation that we had this week or that we've begun this week specifically? I'm going to take the deafening silence as a no. And I'm going to throw this out to the Facebook community to see what thoughts you have before I jump in with Monica about providing value. What are some other opportunities that we have in the industry as a whole or even in completely different industries where we can take a skill that we might not recognize as a skill yet and actually turn it into something else? So I'm going to throw that out to Facebook. I'm going to start to monitor the comments, as is uh, my moderator here. And I want to dive in with Monica. So Monica, you are now officially on the hot seat. What I need to do is get like one of those soundboards that radio personalities have, because this is where I'd hit the button and would go, right? Really cheesy. Oh, Way too much coffee. right now too. <laughs> so what I would love to know is, could you give me whatever background you're willing to share with this community and with the people on Facebook Live, the conversation that you and I have started behind the scenes? A while ago, I decided that I wasn't going to take side projects anymore, and I was just going to focus on my main career, which is, you know, working working on the studio shows that I work on. And that way, I would have more time with my family, more time for myself and my wellness. And at the time, those, those were the needs I had. Now, my needs have changed. Without going into the really dirty, nitty-gritty details, I am now a single mother that this has occurred in the last year. And I have two children and we're co-parenting, but especially during this quarantine, I'm the one at, at home with the kids all day long, most of the day by myself. And I don't want to have to rely on 
you know, their dad's finances to like completely support me or, you know, support, like, I don't want to have to be as reliant as I currently am right now. Um, so my needs have actually changed because I want to be able to be a little more independent. Um, I've always been very independent, but now that the situation is what it is, you know, it's now it's not, I don't want to have to rely on his finances. I don't want to have that. We've been actually very civil with each other, but it's just one of those things. We each want to be as independent as we can. And so I want to find ways to have supplemental income and something that is not necessarily a full-time job, but is flexible. So as, as work does pick up again, you know, I'm able to focus on the, the career that I'm pursuing as editor in scripted television. But I also want supplemental cash because my son is also special needs. He's autistic. And so I'm constantly looking for more programs and ways to help them. And that costs money. So I just have, my needs have changed. And as a result, I'm going to have to give up some of that free time that I purposely took for myself in the past to try to just think more long-term of how I'm going to take care of my children and also be as independent as I can be with two children (laughs) and working in this career, which takes a lot of hours. So it's was a uh, it was something I, I think I was texting you the other day, Zach. I just started texting you randomly. Yeah, you and I have texted pages and pages worth of this conversation at this point. Um, yeah. We have been we've been going back and forth, and like my thumbs are tired from texting with you. Like that's how much we've been talking about this. I'm um, sorry. No, I'm, I'm not. You don't need to apologize at all. I love this stuff. This is great. So just to to recap very briefly, it's not a matter of. I don't want to edit anymore. I want to get out of the business. Screw Hollywood. I need to find something else. There's none of that. But you're realizing that there's a dependence on income that you don't want to have, whether it be because of your personal situation or as everybody uh, talked about on this call last week and the realization that I had years ago is, wow, my entire livelihood depends on other people's ideas and projects. And if there are no projects, I have no livelihood. And that was a scary moment for me. And you're in a similar place with other personal, uh, personal difficulties. Uh, without going into into further details. So you had a a kind of a a mini aha moment where you noticed, and I remember you specifically sending me, I think it was a text, where you saw a number on a Facebook post of people that had attended an event. And this was kind of what sparked all this. So give me a little bit of uh, introduction into that. Okay, so I like doing presentations. I'm the type of person who, uh, I will develop a presentation because I have this idea in my head and then I'll start pitching it to the user groups and see who wants me to present it. And I'll do that before they've even asked for it. Just It's just something I like doing. And so a couple years ago for BCPC, I pitched, hey, I have all this stuff I've learned at being an assistant editor in scripted in addition to my background being as an editor and puts a lot of things in perspective for me of how I could translate skills. And I want to put together a workshop for people of basically it covered the surface topics whatever I could cover in two and a half hours of, you know, how to be a good assistant editor in scripted television. And because that's my experience, it's not features, which is a whole different set of uh, job responsibilities. And we put it together and we did it as a fundraiser for BCPC for their PDAP program. And we were selling tickets maybe for like $10, five or $10 each. There were well over a hundred tickets. The moment tickets went on sale, it sold out within 40 minutes. And I found out later people had set alarms 
for when the link was going to go active so they could sign up for the workshop. And I was shocked. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that's uh, okay. <laughs> and something someone told me, they're like, well, yeah, I'm going to set an alarm, especially for her, referring to me. They're like, for her workshops, yeah, people are going to buy those tickets like crazy. And that was news to me. I was like, really? Oh, okay, sure. And so that was that was kind of shocking to me. And even we, I finally released, I sat on the video for two years because I was so busy, but we promised we were going to eventually release the seminar for uh, online on YouTube on the BCPC channel. And within three days, it had over a thousand views. And it's over two hours long. It is not a short video. <laughs> so that was another like, oh my God, I cannot believe the amount of people that have watched this in three days. So a two hour seminar where you're talking about assistant editor techniques and the title of the presentation does not have the words tiger nor king. No, it's and just you still got over editing and scripted television. It was very, very specific. And you got a, a pretty good amount of people that ended up watching it. So why do you think that was? Why are people setting timers to do your presentations, your seminars, and watching two hours of somebody talking about assistant editing in the middle of a quarantine? I think it's for me being from on social media too much. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've started kind of just letting people know I, I exist on, on social media. I started the process maybe about six or seven years ago. And over the years... Um, I, I would just release advice, tidbits. I'm a super nerd, so I just talk about nerdy movies I love or things I love. And then on top of that, I, you know, I was on several podcast interviews, including your Zach, which I still send people to that episode. Um, I have my own podcast with some friends of mine, Adam Bedford and Ben Barden, which has been on hiatus for a little bit because we got so swamped and then quarantine happened and we've been trying to figure out how to bring that back again. Um, but it was got going postal show and I'd interview other editors. And so I just was using all these different ways where I was basically just giving out free knowledge. And I did it over, I've done it over a period of several years. And I also do live in-person presentations. And then a lot of it, I think, is just word of mouth talking about me. At, at Mixers, people will still, well, not recently, obviously, but you know, people would, there was always at least one person who came up to me and would introduce themselves to me because they saw something I did or said on Twitter or Facebook. And it still like weirds me out because I'm very much an introvert, just like most editors I know, and people don't believe me. They think I'm a social butterfly and I'm really not. <laughs> so it's, it's just weird to think of myself in that way. And my friends still tease me about being a, like an internet celebrity. And I, I'm just like, I'm just going to throw something at you guys. And I believe you have also teased me about that. <laughs> I'm sure that I have more than once. <laughs> So what you've talked about here is the fact that over the last several years, you've built authority in our small niche of the industry, and you've proven that you know how to do these specific things in this world. So people don't question, well, you know, who is she and what has she got to say, right? But that still doesn't really answer my question. Just because people recognize you and know who you are and you're an internet celebrity, that doesn't explain to me why they're watching two hours of your seminar as opposed to Tiger King. Why are they watching your specific seminar? Well, one thing I like doing is I like to say I like to hurt people's brains, but uh, it's just me being silly. But really, I just, I try to explain things in a, a concise way as possible and just using very 
you know, not, not using all the big vocabulary words. I had to learn everything on the job. I don't have a film degree. I didn't go to film school. I didn't know what an editor was until I was like 23 years old. And that was the first time I had heard that term. So I feel like I have a different perspective that's down to earth and doesn't use all this fancy language and always that, you know, the same techniques they talk about in film school. I just feel like I'm probably more relatable in, in a way people could just, it's easy for them to understand the concepts I'm talking about and they don't feel like I'm a textbook. And that's, as I've, I've been asked since we talked a couple days ago, I have been calling and asking people like, what is it about me that appealed to you? Like, what are you seeing in me? Because it's hard for me to see myself objectively. So I ask people, what, what is drawing you to me? And the common thing people have always said is like, you're no bullshit, you're no BS. And I can ask you any question and you will answer it in a way that is clear and makes sense. And basically I don't make them feel dumb. You know, I'm not condescending to them using, I, I feel like sometimes when I've talked to, uh, I talk to film students a lot, sometimes they'll start throwing their like big fancy vocabulary words at me. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't even know what that means. I, I've seen people, you know, just try to use vocabulary to feel like they're superior to others. And that's never been who I am. So I just feel like it's, it's makes it easy for people to approach me because they know I'm not going to, I'm not going to BS them. I'm not going to make them feel bad. And even certain things that uh, there's, I have a whole rant on paying your dues. I hate that term because every time someone says it, I, it just, they look so depressed. And I was like, no, get that out of your vocabulary. Everyone in 95% of the people in this town will tell you, you have to pay your dues. And you know that how I see that is you must suffer as I have suffered. Bull crap. How, when, who says when your dues are up? I have a whole rant about that. And it's, you know, I, it's like I make these pe- people who are struggling and scared. I give them a little hope, I feel like. Because I'm not just regurgitating the stuff you always hear at panels or like professional events. Because I don't agree with them. And I have a different thought process and approach to how I think you should approach your career. And I think people are just drawn to that. Sorry, I agree. I went on a rant. Yes, right. You you went on a rant about rants. Went on a rant. It's very meta. (laughs) Um, So I agree with everything that you just said. And going back to this idea of over the last several years, you've created a sense of uh, authority and trust with your level of experience, the quality of your past presentations. And now we better understand that people are really interested and drawn to you because you're just like them, right? They can relate. They can say, Somebody could stand on the stage that has five degrees and technical certifications, but do they really understand us and the struggles that we're going through? So I think that that gives you even more authority and trust for them to say, this looks like a a good workshop, but you still haven't answered my question. Damn it. Why (laughs) that specific workshop, what, what did that workshop do for the people attending it that other workshops may not have done that made them watch you instead of Tiger King? Uh, It's really simple. I feel like I'm failing your test. <laughs> I, I Welcome don't... to the hot seat. Damn it, Zach. I think it's knowledge that people aren't, don't share very freely. That's why I did it. It's not knowledge people share freely. In order to get that knowledge, you have to like get in with the click at the mixers or whatever so you could find your foot in. I basically made like, you know, the little the popular cool kid crowd knowledge accessible to anyone who wanted to attend and listen. Um, 
that's why I did it. I don't know if that's the answer you're thinking, but I think to, to, to sum it up, you're, 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 yeah. yes, you're, you're basically there. What you did at the core basic fundamental level is you solved someone else's problem. They said, I have a problem right now, and I think that this seminar is going to solve my problem. And I think she's the right person to understand my problem. And my problem is, I don't know how to do this stuff because nobody talks about it. And Monica is known for sharing knowledge that nobody else is willing to share. So I know that if I don't set my timer, I'm going to miss my opportunity to have my learning curve shortened. Does that, does that about sum up why you think people are setting timers to be a part of your webinar? Yeah, in a less rambly way, yeah. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I wouldn't expect you to, to package it that succinctly, but I wanted you to really understand and I want everybody else to understand there's a reason for all this. It wasn't, wasn't magic. It wasn't happenstance. There's a reason that all of this happened. My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. So now this is where the conversation gets really, really difficult. And you already know where I'm going to go with this, I'm assuming. Hmm. You already know you have an audience. Yeah. You know that you have skills. You know that you have knowledge and anyone objectively would agree that the knowledge and skills you have to share have value. So what's stopping you from finding a way to monetize the knowledge that you share? I have this weird hang up. It's for that. I feel like I, it's like, I want to give it away for free, which is why I'm a terrible negotiator. I mean, I take my dad with me to go when I need to buy a car. Cause I'll, I will just walk out. <laughs> It's, it's information I feel like I want to give away freely. I want to give it 
away to the people who maybe can't afford the fancy film schools, who don't have access to a lot of the people who work in the industry. And it's, uh, so it's, it's my own hang up because I, I can make it affordable and people could figure it out, but, and I could still find ways, but I just have this weird hang up. It's like, I, I want to give away that knowledge for free, but I do it in such limited qualities when I have time. And it's, it's just my own thing. Um, cause the, what I want to make money on is editing. And then just like, you know, people didn't charge me to, to figure out, uh, how to, how to do the job since I learned everything on the job, like everything it's, it's hard. It's like something I, it's a, my own little mental block in my head. So would you say that it's accurate that you're more than comfortable making money off of editing? Yes. But you're not comfortable making money off of other people. I'm not comfortable making money off of stuff I feel like is mentoring. That's what it is. So let's look at this from the the editing context. I want you to imagine that you're mentoring a younger editor or assistant. And they just assume they have to pay their dues. And they're really good at what they do, but they don't have a whole lot of experience. And they came to you and said, listen, I just, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough and I still make mistakes. And there are other people just that are better than me. And they're asking me to, to give them nights and weekends for free. And it's time I don't really have, but I don't really, I don't feel comfortable telling them that they need to charge me money. Cause I just, I don't think I'm good enough at it yet. And there are people that are getting paid, but they're better than me. How would you mentor them? Would you be okay with them just being taken advantage of and them doing free work forever because they didn't feel they were good enough yet to deserve the pay? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not. You would not. So we at least understand that there's a little bit of a disconnect here between objective reality and your subjective perception, correct? Yeah. Okay. So what, what's interesting is that when I said to you, what's, uh, what's stopping you from monetizing this knowledge? It wasn't, well, I don't really know how a website works or, you know, I tried to look up PayPal payments and it's a big pain in the butt or Stripe or whatever. Like it's a big hassle and I don't have the time. Those are knowledge gaps. That's stuff that can just be taught. You'd go and you do a tutorial online for here's how to accept Stripe payments or here's how to build a membership site. Like it's, it's not quite that simple, but it kind of is that simple. Really information has no value anymore. Everybody has access to all the information on the face of the planet in our pockets. What has value is somebody that knows how to package that information succinctly and make it easier for somebody to execute that information. Would you say that that's what you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. So do you see the value in offering that to other people? Yeah, I do. So this, my friends, is what we call a limiting belief. There is a part of you that doesn't believe that you should be accepting money from other people for a service that has tremendous value. Would that be a, a fairly uh, realistic characterization? Yes. Okay, so now that we accept that, how do we get over this hump of, yeah, but I'm, I'm not really comfortable with people paying me for this knowledge? Because the problem isn't that you don't believe that your knowledge has value. It's that you may or may not believe that you're not worthy of it yet. So how do we get over that? Sounds like a question for a therapist. <laughs> that, did, ask anybody on this call. Like, let, me, let, me, let me put this in gallery view for a second. Does any of this just feel totally off the beaten path of what we usually do on any given week? Anyone? Everybody's like, welcome to the hot seat, Monica. Nah. Is this how it works? 
Um, to uh, to pardon my French, anybody either that's here, but it's no surprise to you, but anybody watching today, this is what it takes to get done. It's not a matter of, you know what, Monica, you're not monetizing your program because you're not using Trello and you need to get more organized. That comes way down the line. If we don't eliminate this stuff first, you're never going to build up any momentum. This is what's stopping you. Not because you don't know how to accept a Stripe payment or you don't know how to put a presentation on Facebook Live or whatever it is. It's that you don't believe that you should be doing it because you don't have value. We don't get you over that. You're not going to be able to monetize your knowledge. And holy crap, do you have a lot of knowledge to share with people mm -hmm. that can change their lives. You already know that. You've already proven that. So this is a hump that we need to help you get over that I think in turn will help other people get over because there are a lot of people in the same situation as you where they have other value and skills they can provide beyond just whatever technical or creative skills they have in the industry now that they can't share with others. We just have to get them out. And once we know what they are, we need to be sure that we're ready to share them and package them. I think what would help me be more accepting of it is like, you know, I would need to continue, like I want to continue to give out, you know, limited amounts of free knowledge. Like uh, even all the presentations I do, it's like it scratches the surface of whatever I'm talking about. Um, and so if I was going to put together some sort of program or you know, learning course, um, curriculum, I, you know, I would definitely go much, much deeper. Uh, I only go that, you know, to the level that I usually go with like people that I choose to mentor one or one on one. And those people are like really special people to me. Like they have huge potential and I want to help them. So I, I actively like give them all the nitty gritty details and give them like access to me. They could send me whatever they want. So I think for me, in order to be more accepting of that, I still want to give away free knowledge and even like, you know, do something like BCPC where it's like give away free seats through, because they have a way of filtering people of people. It's like, I don't want to take away access from people who truly can't afford it. So I, I'd probably, in order to be okay with accepting money, I'd still want to, in some respects, give away stuff for free to a certain extent. It so I've got a question for you. This, this model that you just talked about, does this sound familiar? <laughs> Do you know anybody that might be using this model right now? I know several people who use this model. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to put this back to the group. How many of you in this group found me because of some form of free advice, content, skills, or knowledge that I shared to the entire world with asking nothing in return. Every single hand, well, except for Lens, because Len is like, nope, sorry, I knew him years ago, way back when. He knew me way before Fitness and Post and all that. So Len, you don't count, you're an outlier. <laughs> Other than that, everybody on this call found me because I decided that I wanted to put my value out into the world. And I spent three years doing that before I got anything in return. And this is a conversation that Monica and I had uh, privately earlier this week. I basically was throwing money into a fire for three years, trying to figure out how to do this. I got nothing in return minus like an $80 check every month from Beachbody because four people bought Shakeology. I was one of them. And you I were one of them. You were one of the first, by the way. And I still use my neutral bullet that I won that first There you go. group. <laughs> The point being that this started with me having something I needed to just get off my chest and talk about and put out there. And it was just about iterating and learning and how can I help people and what questions do you have? And this brings us back to uh, one of the things that we talked about last week that uh, Debbie specifically brought up was what 
what questions do I even ask people? How do I know what those skills are? And that's something that you've been doing this week, sending these text messages. Um, but one of them is just asking, what do people come to me for? And with me specifically, it just started with, dude, what's all this stuff in your office? Like you've got a treadmill desk and it's height adjustable. And you got a balance ball over there and kettlebells. Like, what is that all about? Six years ago, it was nuts. It was crazy. I would ask somebody at a facility when I, I remember working on burn notice. This would have been nine, 10 years ago, asking them for a height adjustable workstation. And they looked at me like I was insane. Like a what? Like, you know, so I can go up and down. Well, what do you need that for? Can you imagine that happening now? Height adjustable workstations with a push button are standard everywhere. But 10 years ago, nobody was talking about that stuff. And I realized a lot of people came to me asking about that. Well, how do you, how do you put all this together and what desks do you recommend? Oh, all right, here you go. And people kept asking the same questions over and over. And that was what inspired me to start this hiking group and the, the fitness and post program. And then all of a sudden people kept asking me the same questions in there. Well, fine. I'll ask to answer the same question over and over. Maybe I should just write a blog article about this. So then I can just send somebody the link. Maybe I'll interview somebody on a podcast. That's what I'll do. I'll start a podcast and I'll just interview and then I can send them the link, right? How many times have you done that, Monica, where somebody said, can you explain X, Y, and Z? And you're like, just go to this link and then talk to me tomorrow, right? You do that quite often, I would assume. Actually, I have a whole document of free internet resources uh, when people approach me, I'm like, here, give me your email. I'm going to send you something. When you're done going through all of this, then we can talk and let me know. Uh, and it was like 12 hours of information and content that was free online that would answer 95% of their questions. And then they could like start asking me the more interesting questions. And only a couple people followed through. And I was like, this is, this is, this is the way to get access to me. And not a, it's like people weren't willing to do the work, which I thought was interesting. So let me get this straight. There's a document that's a that collection together. of the collection of resources that you put together that's free yep. and anybody can access. Mm -hmm. And if they enjoy it and they want to learn more, they can contact you. I know there's a synonym for that term somewhere. <laughs> uh, can anybody think maybe in the group, what's the synonym or a, a, a clear description, maybe in one word of what Monica's talking about? Anybody? I believe it's, oh, Aaron. Yeah, I actually wanted the answer. It wasn't hypothetical. What, value. What was <laughs> it's value, but there's an even more specific word for that. I believe it's called a website. Mm -hmm. Basically, what you're doing is you're emailing people a website. You're saying, here's a whole bunch of free knowledge that I'm willing to share with you. I'm asking nothing in return. But if you want to go deep and you want to put in the work, you've got to demonstrate that to me. So you've already created this barrier where you said to people, yeah. you want all these questions answered, that's fine but you got to do your research first. I'm not just going to hand it all to you on a silver platter. You've got to do your research. If you go through everything and you come back to me, then I'll answer your questions. And what you've discovered is very few people actually follow through and do that work, correct? Yeah, because I found that if they have the motivation and ambition to actually go through all the knowledge that they could find with a Google search, by the way, that's how I put the document together. If they're willing to do that work, then they have a better possibility for success in, in having an actual career in post-production. And if people aren't willing to do the work, I don't think they're going to do very well. So now that we better understand that you, you now have this, this resource already, maybe it's not in the, the perfect form from a technical workflow perspective, but in, in essence, you have your own version of a private website where you say, here's all this stuff. You now are fulfilling the obligation that you feel is necessary 
to continue providing value for free. But now you have this barrier of entry where if people want to get more free knowledge and take up more of your time, they have to prove something to you. Yeah. So what's the next barrier of entry if somebody really wants access to your knowledge or you being available to them? It's hard to put into words. It's, it has to be a potential I see in them um, and a desire to truly learn. Are they going to listen? You know, are in another thing is like, do I feel like there's someone who's going to be um, stab people in the back or they, do I think they're a good person, a good team player, you know, someone who I'd want to be a friend with, you know, it's just one of those things. I imagine that you go through when you're hiring assistant editors, it's like trying to find that, that right personality. And that's something I have to determine over time as I'm interacting with them more and more. So assuming that somebody meets these criteria that shows that, uh, you know, they're trustworthy and they really want to dive in and they really qualify themselves to, to work with you and they're a good fit. What is another way to very almost instantly qualify somebody's interest being very dedicated and true and they're willing to go to the next level? What's a really easy way to qualify that? <sighs> See if they're willing to pay for it. I think it's money. I think money is the the ultimate qualifier. Because once somebody pays for something, they have proven to you, I am interested in this knowledge. They haven't proven to you yet that they're actually going to follow through with it. And I've learned that in spades over the last six years that money does not equal follow through. However, it equals intention. My intentions are that I believe that what you have provides value to me and I want to do my best to get the value out of it in return. And I find that a lot of people don't have the tools or the strategies even after they've shown that intention to be able to follow through, which is why I build so much accountability into this program and so much community and support because it did just start with, here's education and knowledge. I have experience. I want to help shorten your learning curve. Here you go. People take courses, but then they never finish them. And I'm not in the business of selling knowledge and making money off of that knowledge. I'm in the business of helping people achieve their goals. And if a self-contained course can't do that, well, then I need to do better. And I need to find a way to make sure that that happens and people follow through. But the barrier of entry between I would love to have a 30-minute chat and learn more about your goals or here's 200 hours of free interviews, you know, sorted by topic. Like if you want my best advice on X or Y or Z, there's a search engine for that. It's all there. But if you really want to dive in deeper... Well, guess what? That's going to mean you have to step over this barrier of entry, which is you need to prove to me you're committed. The way to do that is with money. So going back to a conversation that you and I had uh, via text, is there somebody else in your world who's had a tremendous impact on the trajectory of your career that you've seen as a mentor where you realized recently, oh, they monetized their knowledge too. And I was okay yeah. with that. So who, who might that be? There were two of them, actually. Um... Lori Jane Coleman, who was the first editor who allowed me to uh, just visit her cutting room in scripted. She wrote the, I think it's the Bible for working as an assistant editor. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the book, but everyone knows, knows the book. Um, I forgot the name of the book. It's an assistant editing handbook. Um, and then the other person is Norman Holland, and they were both uh, mentors of mine. And Norman gave away so much free knowledge, but at the same time, he traveled the world getting paid to teach as well. And he worked at USC, so. So let me ask you this question. Looking, let's look at Norman specifically because I think he's fairly well-known in the industry and everyone knows him as a teacher and a speaker and he runs panels and he's got a book and he was the former head of the editing track at USC. And for anybody that uh, is unaware, unfortunately, Norman passed away. Um, he was also a huge mentor and influence for me. Um, but was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, how dare he? 
I can't believe he's charging for this stuff. Like, I think so much less of him because of it. Did you ever have that thought? Never. So why do you have that thought about your own knowledge? I think I I didn't want to turn my love of mentoring into a job. I don't want it to feel like a job. And it ends up becoming an obligation because I feel like in order to do right by people, it has to be more than just an obligation I have. Um, so I think that that's probably like my, I don't want it to feel like an obligation in the job. That's something I have to do as opposed to something I want to do. And I think that's a, that's a fear for a lot of people. And I know uh, a lot of people that have a passion of editing, filmmaking, whatever it is, they decide that they want to get into this creative industry. I've seen it happen more than once. They've just got pie in the sky, stars in their eyes. This is going to be amazing. As soon as they have to show up for a job, like, oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. I actually have deadlines and people have notes. And this is just supposed to be me being creative and getting paid to do my hobby. Like, so that, that's a very legitimate fear, I think, that a lot of people have. Um, but then there's, there's also this deeper seated question that you have, which instead of throwing it at somebody like Norman or me and say, how dare they charge for their services? I think the, the deepest rooted question that you have is, who am I to charge people for this? Would you say that's fairly accurate? I think there's a little bit of that in there. Like logically, that's silliness, but I think emotionally because, you know, growing up, I I was like the outcast. And even in this industry, I have had people with the attitudes, what do you know? How dare you? What you edit isn't real editing. I've literally had that said to me. So I think just dealing with those kind of things... And I guess those kind of insecurities. And really, to me, it's, it's people being assholes. But I think it's just trying to convince myself on an emotional level that they're wrong. Even though logically I know they're wrong. It's like this internal battle of emotion versus logic. Yeah, I can, I can relate to all of that. Because I promise you, as soon as you put yourself out into the world, it becomes crabs in a bucket. Um, going back to the uh, the community for a second, anybody here not familiar with the concept of crabs in a bucket or people out in uh, the Facebook universe? Raise your hand if you're not familiar with the idea of crabs in a bucket. So we've got a couple. Essentially, as one crab tries to get out to the top of the bucket, what happens? Other crabs grab it and it comes back to the middle. So none of them ever escape. As soon as you put yourself out there and you try to grab the top of the bucket and get out, that's exactly what happens. Welcome to my world. I've been dealing with that from the moment that I put myself out there. And when I look at the count of people that I have in this community or the larger community of people that have paid some form of uh, money for a course or a workshop or whatever it is, if I take that total sum, that sum is much smaller than the amount of hate and trolls that I've gotten in return. That's part of the game. But at the end of the day, when I see the quality of the value that I'm able to provide to other people and they verify that value in return. So it's not just me making it up in my head. My goal is, and I think I talked about this last week, um, and I think maybe I'd asked you guys this, but was there ever a, a point where you thought to yourselves, man, like this, this guy's just kind of trying to make a buck right now. He's not really putting in a lot of effort. He doesn't seem very invested in what I'm trying to do. And once I signed up and gave him money, he just kind of disappeared. And it just looks like it's some kind of, you know, cash grab. Anybody feel like that at all? Nobody, right? Now, on the flip side, how many of you feel like even though you paid me X amount of dollars, 
my entire reason for being here is to provide you at least double that amount of value in return. And if I haven't, I have failed. How many of you feel like that's been the tone of this, this, uh, this whole experience? Where if I can't at least give you twice what you paid in return, value, knowledge, tips, skills, information, then I failed and I'm gonna keep pushing myself. Right? That's the reason I put up with the haters. But the way to get over this imposter syndrome is one small bite at a time. So do you have experiences already where you have provided value to somebody, Monica? Yeah. And they have come back to you in return and said, look at the difference that I've made in my life because of the value you provided. Uh, I have several instances of that happening. So does that help, at least on a small level, start to chip away at the imposter syndrome? Oh, yes, big time. What do you think is going to be more beneficial to lessen the imposter syndrome? Getting more degrees and technical certifications to prove on paper that you're the right person or other people's results? Oh, it would be other people's results. Other people's results. And is that something that you have control over? Mm, well, no. Well, no. <laughs> I would say they, the, they answer, choose- the answer is yes and no. They have to choose to take the action themselves. Yeah. But my, my point is that you have more control over being able to choose the right people to work with them and provide them value and hope that they put in the effort and they get the results in return. So there's not a com- complete amount of control. But I feel like there's a lot more control as opposed to I'm going to spend the next three years getting higher degrees. Fingers crossed, that's enough. Yeah, uh, one thing, another thing that really helped with people who are maybe less than kind with their view of me um, is on several instances where that has happened, a couple has happened publicly. People came out of the woodwork, people who are usually lurkers and I didn't know existed out there who follow me to my defense. And that was interesting to see because I was was just sitting back and watching the, the results of all of these people that I have affected or inspired that I did not know existed. And they came to my defense when I was being attacked. So that helps a lot as well. So what we know beyond the shadow of a doubt is that you have skills, you have knowledge, you can shorten people's learning curves. And as soon as we get you over the hump of being willing to accept that you can have people provide you value in return, well, then all we have to do is actually build it. And my feeling is that if there's anybody in our little niche of the world where if you build it, they will come, it's you. Because you can reach out to five people And knowing those five people, you can be connected to tens of thousands of people. You don't have to start from scratch. I feel like a lot of people in this industry really need to start from the beginning. And I don't think you even have to do that. I think you have the benefit of a built-in audience. So really, the only thing that's standing between you and having this, uh, this source of side income or a side hustle that, frankly, I think could become something more, there's only one thing standing between you and that happening. Me. That's you. That's it. So we know that your plan of attack is that you need to find a way to overcome this limiting belief that I don't deserve this value in return. Everything else is just busy work. Yeah, and I've been thinking about that a lot. And so the way I've always kind of just worked through things is, you know, just get started. Because if I don't even get started, then I'm already stopping myself before I start. So I'm already reaching out to people. And even though I still have these these issues in the, my own little blocks, I'm still taking the steps. And the, the key thing for me is like, oh, I could have this ready by next week. That's not how it works because I have a lot going on. I am homeschooling two kids right now. I am 
still waiting to see what'll happen with my show next season. <laughs> so for me, it's just about taking those little steps and just like kind of starting on the path. I'm focusing on it's like, well, what would I talk about? What would I share? Would this be in the form of videos? Would I want to do one-on-one calls? Uh, yes. And even just the thought of the, like the nuts and bolts of like the website, how would I post videos and have like security protocols and pay? I actually did something really simple to like get that anxiety off my plate. But I was like, wait, I have a Vimeo account. Do they have like a on-demand thing? I think they do. Cause I paid for like a like a flexibility class where they gave me on-demand things through a Vimeo link that's like private and connected to my account. And I was like, oh, look, Vimeo could host it. I literally can charge through Vimeo and keep 90% of the costs. And just literally like, it was like a minute. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, if I don't want to deal with all my own custom security protocols for videos and websites, then look, Vimeo. <laughs> And so that anxiety and that like excuse of like, oh my God, how am I going to build this? Like just build the platform. It, it just went away. Cause I was like, oh, you know, it, if it comes down to it, I get just posted on Vimeo, let them take their fees and do it that way. The, I feel like the important thing is really the content itself. And so that's what I'm choosing to focus on. And it's one of those things where I think people could self self sabotage themselves when they're just trying to think about all the nuts and bolts of trying to get it together, like running a business. I have no idea how to do that. Well, yeah, that could easily overwhelm you <laughs> and like stop you before you start. So I'm just like, you know, what? I'm just not going to worry about that. I'm just going to worry about creating content, which is what I've always done. But, you know, and see how I could structure it in a way that that makes sense for type of program I would be doing or whatever it would be. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day, and that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour, but if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. So thinking about, and I've brought this back to the, the community here, this reminds me of one of the key mindsets that I have at the very beginning of the Focus Yourself program, where instead of trying to get everything done and get it all lined up and make it exactly what it needs to be before getting started, 
what does this remind everybody? Of? What's the key mindset that I'm thinking of right now? Don't pursue anyone. Howard. Don't pursue perfect at the expense of good enough. Bam. Don't pursue perfect at the expense of good enough. And one of the things that you and I talked about, and I won't go into to great detail, but you said, how can I charge $1,000 for a course? I could never do that because some people are charging $1,000 for online courses. Some people are charging more than that for online coaching, <clears throat> right? I do it with no shame whatsoever because I provide twice the value in return. But you went from, I provide all this value for free to I could never ask somebody for $1,000. But can you ask him for five bucks on Vimeo? For one video? Maybe. Maybe. I'd ask but for 10. What, well, okay, so there you go. That's, that's good. You're at, you've actually doubled it already. So that to me is a really, really good sign that we have a way to just chip away at this imposter syndrome and chip away at this feeling of, I'm not sure that I'm worthy to provide this value. And I'll tell a, a little story about what the biggest transformation was for me of the, the whole six plus years of doing this from the moment that I texted you and Natalie and Janice and Adam and a few other people and said, let's go hiking and start this fitness group. That was day, day one to where we are right now of everything that's happened in between. There's one moment that transformed my entire life. It was the first time that somebody gave me $97. And I think it actually might have been you. If it wasn't, you were one of the first five people to join the beta version of my very first course. And I actually think Aaron is on that list as well. He, uh, he might have been one of the first ones. I hadn't even put a course together yet. I had one page with bullet points and said, here's the problem I'm hoping to solve. And the problem was we're all tired of sitting on our butts in dark rooms all day long how do I not feel like I got hit by a truck at the end of the day? Oh, I've got a lot of advice I could share. And maybe I can put together some videos and show you what kind of desk I use and whatever, right? So I had the idea for Move Yourself. And as soon as you and a few other friends and a few other complete random strangers I'd never heard of gave me $97, my entire life changed because I was in the exact same place as you. Who do I think I am? How dare I ask other people for money for my knowledge? Like, that's just wrong. I shouldn't be doing that. But once I got over that hump, that's when the snowball started to roll down the mountain. So I think for you, we need to figure out what is the equivalent of that? Do you think it's getting five people on Vimeo to pay you 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks? Like, well, what gets the snowball going downhill for you? Uh, I haven't figured that out yet. Can you see, though, the importance of identifying what it is? So it's not this big, huge thing. Like I'm going to charge $1,000 for this comprehensive workflow course or whatever it might be. And instead, it's not even about making money. It's about teaching myself that I'm worthy of the value that I'm asking from others. Yeah. I mean, I think just even the thought of having this big comprehensive course makes me, uh, gives me anxiety. It's like, I, I would need to start small. And I've, I've watched you through your whole journey, Zach, through the very first meeting you had with me about fitness and post where I could like barely walk to the table from my job. I mean, it's taken you years to get to the point where you are. And there's been a lot of, there's a lot of evolution that has happened from these ideas that uh, first sparked what, what has, what this has become for you. So, and, and that's something I always remind myself too. It's like, it's just because it is what it is now it's going to evolve to something else later. And the, the, the part that maybe you've seen a little bit more of than most, you've seen some of the failures. You haven't seen all of them, 
there has been a lot more failure than there has been success over the last six years. All people judge is the success. Well, you know, now Zach is doing panels and doing stuff for the Editor's Guild and doing stuff for Ace. And you want to learn how to move more at your desk. Like he's the standing desk guy, right? But it wasn't always that way. And all people see is that, and they don't see the trajectory to get there. It's like this idea of becoming an overnight success, except it only took me 15 years to become an overnight success, but nobody sees it. So I went through many iterations. I've tried the $5 things and the $10 things, and I've done all kinds of iterations. I'm still experimenting and failing on a daily basis. But once I find what works, I slowly grow it one small piece at a time. So with this, uh, this program as an example, I didn't start with 33 people a week. I started with one and I spent three months and I dedicated all three months to that one person. If I can give as much as I possibly can to help them achieve their goals and succeed, fantastic. Now can I do it with two? Now can I do it with four? Well, now that I'm starting to get a hang of this and I have some self-contained educational materials, could I do this with 10 people every three months? That seems insane. 10 people? And now I think actively between the groups, the privates, um, the office hours, I think maybe it's 70 or 80 people. But it's taken me years to get to the point where not only do I know how to solve the problems and the challenges that people have, but I also have to be able to service people because it can't just be, well, I got them in the program. All right, I got their money and their check cleared. Thank God. I have to actually be able to double down and provide the value in return. It's taken years to learn how to do that. Million and a half different web systems and technologies, all the working behind the scenes so I can make it seem effortless. Trust me, if my webcam were on all day long, you'd see how not effortless this is. It takes a ton of energy, but I don't want you to get overwhelmed by all of that and say, well, I can provide value, but it's too hard and I don't have time and I'm dealing with a special needs kid and now I'm dealing with being a single parent. Like there's no way I could do all of this. I don't want you to do all of it yet. Just find one thing you can do to get yourself over that hump of, wow, somebody actually thinks that there's value in what I provide to them and they're willing to pay me in return. To me, that's the biggest block. You get over that, I think everything's going to change. Yeah, and I think what'll help me get over that is just by creating the the information and curriculum, for lack of a better word, just start creating the, the, the knowledge I'm going to share in a structured format. Because if I create it, it's like, oh, well, that's, that's the meat. That's the reason why people would be willing to pay for it. But it all um, starts with offering that free value, which you want to do anyway, and you already do when people yeah. don't ask you for it. Because you just got to get it out of your system. I've got an idea for a presentation. This would be cool. Maybe somebody will use my presentation. So you're already doing the work that you need to do. You just need a vehicle to be able to share it with other people. Yeah. Right? So how do you feel at this point about at least pursuing this idea, going down the rabbit hole the tiniest bit to identify some problem you can solve and have people provide value in return for you solving their problem? Yeah, I'm feeling better about that. But I think knowing what I'm dealing with right now, it definitely, I have to take it slow or else I will be overwhelmed and then it's going to fail. It's like doomed to fail. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with that more. Anybody that came to this Facebook live today that looked at the title of the video and I've uh, now blanked on what the title of the video was. Oh, can you still earn income during the coronavirus? If they're thinking, oh, thank God. He's going to tell me how I can make some money right now. Yes, I'm unemployed and I just, I need a quick way to make some money. And Howard's like raising his hand, like, yes, that's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you just scratching your head? Sorry. Um, the point being, this is a long game. 
But I think that this is a tremendous opportunity right now to at least think about this and start planting seeds. Do I think that you could, my, my feeling is that you could make $100 between now and next Friday. Do I think you can build an entire business out of it? No, I think that's going to take a long time. But I honestly think that if you took a few hours, put something online, put up a couple of social media posts, you could probably make 100 bucks, maybe 50, maybe 150. I'm not sure what. But I think that is going to be the most profound thing that starts one domino from knocking over another and knocking over another. And I don't think it would be that hard. Yeah, but uh, it's a matter of time for me right now. Of course it you've, is. You've met my kids. Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I, know, I know your kids fairly well. Yes. So I'm, I'm not making so, any judgments about the fact that you should be doing nothing but that for the next week. But I think realistically, if you have the time and the focus – yeah, You could put up something simple enough that provides enough value and you have a large enough of an audience because you already have the authenticity and the authority. You could make that first hundred bucks quickly once you have the time to be able to put in the, the little bit of work necessary to get you there. But I think that's going to make a big difference for you psychologically to get to that point. Yeah. And that's something I'll have to, to work on. It, it, you know, I, I know uh, a lot of times I know people hope that there's like just like a magic, magic piece of advice. There's a magic potion a magic wand but something and this is something I always tell people it's like it's all hard work that's all it is it's all hard work it took me years to acquire the skills I've I have because even the the visual effects temping I do in Avid to me it's just like another day and to other people they're just like how did you do that how did you You're come magical. up with that it's like it wasn't that hard but so you know you I think that but th this would be the perfect example. Developing that skill. <laughs> How many times have I texted you or had my assistant text you and said, we can't figure this out? Just ask Monica. Like, I remember valuable. when you did that with Natalie. I saved her hours one time when I told her, uh, when I gave her a tip on turnovers. And this is after she had been working in scripted for like three years longer than me. <laughs> so that, that has value because you, you made her life easier. You shortened her learning curve and you made her look better to both her editor and to her directors and producers. That's valuable. That's very valuable to somebody's career. So I, I, wa I want you to think about that. I want to bring this back to the group now, um, but I want, to, I want to just, you know, plant those seeds and let them simmer because some of the things you and I talked about a few days and a week ago have already started to sprout a little bit. So we're just going to throw all that in a pot. We're going to let it simmer for a while, let the flavors congeal. Um, I'm going to bring it back to the community because I think the biggest question that I'm hearing over and over and over, both via Facebook, and this has come up, uh, maybe not in today's call, but it's come up in the past, is this is all great. But how do I even come up with an idea to begin with? Where do I start? So for anybody that is thinking, potentially, maybe there's a way that I can earn some extra side income that doesn't relate to this specific skill that I have. How many of you are stuck at the point of, I don't even know where to start. I want to do this, but how do I even find an idea? I know that I've got some on Facebook. Is there anybody here in this group that's thinking there might be something here, but I don't even know where to start? I was thinking of helping our neighbors and our elderly, for example, maybe doing grocery runs and just having them offer whatever they can. It'll build self-esteem, you know, build neighborly good connections, good for our heart. And it's giving back to our community. It might make a few dollars, but at least it's a start. Um, that's just a quick thought. All right, cool. So I, I would say that, that that's a great way to provide value, get a little bit in return, could be the best $5 you've ever been given in your life, right? Like at literally allowing somebody to continue living and eating um, given the, the present pandemic. 
what I'm after is more, is somebody so stuck on, I don't even know how to formulate an idea so I can help you generate some questions so you can start figuring this out for yourself. I know that um, Debbie, uh, maybe I'll uh, bring it back to you for a second because you're, I think you're slowly becoming accustomed to the hot seat now because I throw you on it um, unwillingly almost every week. Um, I'm going to come back to you for a second. Um, when we first started our conversations, even before the pandemic hit, you were kind of at this place. You've had a blog, you've been writing about mindfulness and the psychology of happiness, but like, what do I do? do with that? Where do I even find an idea to turn that into something else? So do you feel like you're still there? Or do you feel like you're starting to get a little bit further down the path? Um, I'm sort of I'm sort of making my way down the path. But I guess I'm looking more of it as like, probably, in a in a world where I need to pay money first, <laughs> before I start making money. You know, I was looking into like, becoming a mindfulness teacher but that would require me paying money to someone first. So yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of stuck on where I might sort of add value right now to, to someone's life. Got it. Okay. So the reason I brought you up is because you're one to two steps ahead of the person that I'm trying to help at this moment. You already had an idea and you started doing something with it and you've provided a tremendous amount of free resources. So you're kind of at the point where, I kind of, in a way, know what it is that I want to be able to do in what general area, mindfulness, happiness, meditation, training. You're not really sure what form it takes yet, right? Mm -hmm. But there was a point when you were just an editor and you said, huh, how cool would it be for me to learn more about happiness and learn more about meditation and mindfulness, but I'm actually going to start writing about it. Where did that idea come from? Because the people that are thinking, how do I even find an idea? I want to help them figure out what are the questions that you ask yourself to get to the point that you said, yes, mindfulness. I want to spend my time writing about mindfulness on Medium, not getting paid a cent. I guess it, um, it started with, you know, me wanting to find something else as far as like kind of wanting a side hustle. Um, and the mindfulness and the happiness part of it started because that's what like I was gravitating towards. I just, um, I was listening to podcasts and reading books on it. I was, you know, really getting into meditation and these were things that I was really finding enjoyment in. Um, the thing that I really want to pull out of it is for somebody that's thinking, I, I know that I want to find something else. I want to side hustle, probably not thinking I want to make it, complete life transition and change careers because that's not where I started either. But it was, I just, I need, I want something else, but I wasn't looking to monetize it. I wasn't trying to start a business. The key here is that you did not say, huh, I think there's an economic opportunity in writing about mindfulness and happiness psychology. Would that, would that be accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. So what, what drew you to the subject? What drew me to the subject of mindfulness? Yeah, like, well, how did you go from I want to start a side hustle to now I'm writing for Medium about mindfulness? It wasn't because you saw an economic opportunity. Right. No, I just, I wanted to share my knowledge. Um, I wanted to, uh, like, I kind of looked at it as, like, self, I was just sort of conducting a bunch of self-experiments and things were working for me that were bringing me more joy and happiness. And I wanted to share it with other people and the writing process helped me, helped me all help myself as well. 
So you wanted to share knowledge about something that you were already doing for yourself that was working and make a positive difference, and you wanted to share that with other people. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Does that sound maybe a little bit like what Monica was talking about earlier? Mm -hmm. So I think the key here, what I've learned having, I've worked with a lot of people in the, the online business world, like I was talking about last week at the end of it, I have three completely different split personalities. Film editor working in Hollywood, online entrepreneur trying to build a business, and American Ninja Warrior. Three very different worlds. I, there really is someday I want to have an event where all three come to the same live event and they're in the same room. It would just be the weirdest, most awkward thing ever. The point being that in this online business world, I've seen hundreds of people try to figure out where do I even start? How do I get an idea? And I think they're almost always asking the wrong question. Where can I make money? I don't think that's the right question to be asking. I think the right question is, what are the things that I'm already doing that I enjoy? And it doesn't have to be a passion, but what are the things that I already enjoy where I feel I can provide value? Or even if I don't get paid immediately, it's providing value to other people and it's providing value to me in return because I enjoy it and I'm learning something from it. So would you say that that characterizes your transition from, huh, maybe there's a side hustle out there or something else to do besides editing that got you into writing about mindfulness. Absolutely. That's, ex that's exactly what it was. I knew that if, you know, I didn't have a lot of time, it, I was still working a full-time job. I knew that whatever it is that I wanted to pursue, I would have to enjoy doing it and, and, you know, enjoy the process of it because I didn't know what money was going to come from it or, you know, that wasn't really the point. The point was that I was enjoying it and that I could maybe help someone in the process. Wow. Enjoying the process sounds like some real new agey mindfulness stuff. <laughs> but do you see now how you've gone from the point of, huh, where would I even find an idea? Here's something that's already making a difference for me. How can I share that with other people that have a similar challenge that I just had? So I think one of the things that people get hung up on is, well, wait a second. This thing sounds interesting, but I'm not an expert at it. So I can't really talk about this. I still don't consider myself an expert at anything. I mean, I would consider myself maybe highly intermediate to beginner expert in the world of editing film and television because I've been doing it for so long and I feel pretty confident in my skills. But I would never say film editing expert Zach Arnold. That makes me cringe just thinking of it. And that's basically been my whole life. What I'm doing now, this is just one big giant experiment. But the key here, the, the magic formula is that I talk to the people that are probably one or two steps behind where I just was. And they say, wait a second, how'd you get to that next step? Oh, right over there. there there's how I did. Oh my God, it would have taken me a year to find that. You pointed to it and it took me 10 minutes. That has value to people. So do you think there's an audience of people out there somewhere that has a similar challenge as you and you could potentially help them get to the next step where you might be just a little bit ahead of them? Somewhere, I'm looking for them. And that's, that's why you've been writing the way that you have, because you're trying to find people um, who resonate with your voice and your point of view. There are plenty of people that read my work and they walk away saying, not for me. And I think we talked about this maybe on an earlier call, but I'll bring it up again for either anybody that's here or anybody uh, that's on Facebook Live. But do you know the percentage of people that find my stuff and say, totally not for me? Take a guess. Um, raise your hand and then I'll unmute you. And uh, we're, we're going to throw some numbers out there uh, for the Facebook community. How many people do you think 
listen to or find my content and say, yeah, this isn't a good fit. Either I don't like him, doesn't resonate with me, um, throw out a number. And if you know the number already, don't cheat. But for those that don't know, give me what you think is a realistic representation of how many people don't like the stuff that I'm doing and say, that's not for me. Because I actually know the number. Nobody? All right. So, Aaron, throw it in. I don't know. 40%. 40%. Anybody else? We've got a 70% um, from Howard here. Let's see. Uh, we've got a, well, we've got one from Misha out there, but he also works in online business. So, you don't count. You already know the answer. Anybody else that is not familiar with how this works that can guess, we've got a 70% and a 40%. Those seems pretty high, right? My content resonated with you guys, and you're like, this guy totally gets me. It's like he crawled into my brain and he already knows me. And he's exactly where I want to be, whether it's productivity or energy or whatever it is. I want to be a part of this. 70% seems pretty high, right? 97% of the people that find my stuff say, no, this is not a good fit. 97%. And I know that because I have all of the data of every single person that comes to my website and everyone that consumes my podcasts. I know how many of those people are not willing to even give an email address because I'm not a good enough fit. And then of those three to 5%, and the, the number varies, but let, let's use 3%. Of the 3% that say, oh, I really like this and this really resonates, of that amount, how many do you think are actually willing to work with me and go to the next level and say, I want to give this guy some money? 1%. 1%. What else have we got out there? 0.5%. Now Howard went from a lover to a hater. 0.5%. What do you think of me? Anybody else? Let's see what we've got from anybody that's not an online entrepreneur, Misha, giving away all the answers. Um, so we've got a 5% from Facebook. Um, so without going too deep into the weeds, because this number gets very, very nuanced, but I would say between, and I haven't looked at this number for a while, but roughly 10% of that 3% at some point have said, you know what, I'm going to pay you for something because I feel you can provide value to me in return. So do the math. 10% of 3% is a really tiny number. That's how many people actually say, this is for me but I continue to put out free content anyway. Ever since the coronavirus struck, I've worked harder than I have in years writing and providing things for free that I know will provide value to people. Why would I do that? There's two reasons why I do it. Why would I do that? To get more people. To get more people, that's one. Yes, because I want to find more people because I'm playing a numbers game. The other reason is, because I'm in a position to genuinely provide value to other people when they need it the most. They're struggling with things that fortunately I understand how to deal with. Not the virus at large. I mean, we're, we're all kind of in the dark with what's going on in the world. But as far as, my God, I'm stuck at home with family. Like, how can I actually be productive? How do I structure my time? What do I do with my money? I've never had to worry about my money before. These are all things that I feel very comfortable talking about and providing strategies. And thousands of people have looked at all this stuff and like the tiniest, tiniest percentage of them have said, I want more, but that's fine because I feel good about the fact that I'm providing value to as many people as I can, but the smallest percentage in return are going to decide that they want to go to another level. Those are the people that are on this call. And because you guys are here and you really want to take this seriously, that allows me to continue putting in my time to provide value to tens of thousands of people in return. So going back to Monica, 
as somebody who just wants to be able to give the knowledge out into the world, can you see that model working for you where the vast majority, 98% of the people that come in contact with you are never going to have to pay you money. Thank God, because God, would that be awkward, right? But what if it was okay if 2% of them paid you for your knowledge? How would you feel about that? Uh, that wouldn't be so bad. And I actually have a, I'm monitoring the Facebook comments on my phone and Dodie nailed it with um, my big thing. She's put to fulfill your need to help people. It's like, I, I do have a need to help people. I, I do want to continue to provide free knowledge to people and help where I can. And, you know, not, you know, obviously uh, time, time is so valuable and it's like, you never get time back. So it's like in limited amounts, I'd still want to be able to give away that free knowledge and help people. So to go back to where we were in the, the beginning and go back to the, this question that people have over and over, how do I even find an idea? I think it all starts with, what is it that I really want to talk about and where do I want to provide value to other people first? Figure out the monetization later. Because if it's all about a short-term cash grab and, oh, how can I make money quick? Well, there are plenty of, there are plenty of options online to teach you how to do that, whether legally or illegally. But that, that's not the, those are the kind of people that I like to work with. I want to work with people that really see the value they can provide long-term and build a structure around it. But it all starts with figuring out what are the things that I already enjoy doing that I want to talk about, or what are people asking when they come to me? What questions do they ask? What is the same thing that I talk about over and over and over? Well, maybe there's something there. Um, so the, the last thing that I wanted to do uh, before we uh, disconnect, because we're just about at the, the 2.30 mark, there are a couple of very specific questions that I wanted to ask that I got on Facebook that are just uh, quick ones. Um, one of them was, new parent of two, what resources do you recommend for learning how to structure my time? Anybody know a guy that can help people structure their time better that uh, might know how to do calendars and to-do lists and Trello and, you know, a little bit of a shameless plug, but do you guys know a guy that might be able to help with that? I might know a guy. So uh, this is specifically from uh, Jan Van Klein. Um, send me a Facebook message afterwards or send me an email. Go to my website. Basically, my entire life is teaching people how to better structure their time so they have more energy, they have more attention and more creativity. So that's kind of my thing. Um, the other question that somebody had, uh, this is from Cheryl. She said, I believe I joined your program in 2017 and then I got on a crazy project and I never did it. Is it still available to do it now? If you joined in 2017, that means that you were in one of my self-contained courses and you have lifetime access. So all you have to do is email me or send me a Facebook message. I'll just send you the login information again and it's yours. So that's my policy is that once you join, you get access to that information for life. The coaching program structure is a little bit different, but as far as the self-contained course, you already have it. You pay for it and it's there. So we just need to get you logged back in. It's so weird. Now I actually have people showing up. I have things to answer. The first few weeks, nobody was here. It was just us and like two guys and my mom. Um, so let me see if we've got anything else here. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, the one thing that I want to mention before we go, first of all, I want to thank Monica for putting herself on the hot seat today. Um, I know that I don't make it easy on anybody. Um, I consider it my forte to make people feel incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but that's where the magic happens, as everybody in this program knows. So I appreciate you uh, putting yourself on the hot seat. It means a lot I, that you showed up I feel up today. like the hot seat is where I live, so I'm very comfortable in it. Yes, and you, you did a great job, and you already provided a tremendous amount of value today to both me, to the members of this group, and the people watching, I'm sure. Um, one last announcement that I want to throw out there is that for anybody that's watching this today that's thinking, this is really cool, but how do I get on the Zoom call? 
how do I get to be a part of this community? I'm actually doing enrollment for the spring session of my coaching and mentorship program, which is what everybody in this call is doing right now. So if you want to learn more about it, just go to optimizeyourself.me slash optimizer. These are all of my optimizers here. So optimizers, I want you guys to, to say goodbye. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you guys come and show up every Friday. I still don't know why, but you guys do anyway. So I really appreciate uh, helping everybody get through this quarantine in our own little tiny boxes together. Um, so on that note, I want to say uh, goodbye to everybody on Facebook. Goodbye to you guys as well. Um, stay safe, healthy, and sane, and be well. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you've subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even gonna send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.